Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player Podcast. I'm your host, J215Forever. Follow your boy on IG, and on my IG page is the podcast page. That is at Know Your Role Player Podcast, all right? That is K-N-O-W-Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R underscore podcast. The best way that you can listen to this podcast is to download the Anchor app. That's Anchor FM. Anchor.fm backslash know your role player. Whether you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, or many, many more, you will get episodes like the one it is currently available becomes necessary. All right. All right. Guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 23rd. Um, we got a lot to get into. So I want to apologize. I had to take a short break and take care of some real serious stuff. Um, but the break's over, right? Um, I know I've said that it's a lot going on, but we're back. All right. We back, back, and we back. Today is Tuesday. I got a funky schedule, but I'm getting two episodes out minimum this week, and we're going back to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm back in my old recording studio. I hope the quality it sounds good for y'all. All right. Yo, we got a ton to get into, but let's start with the breaking news. Milwaukee Bucks fire their head coach, uh, Adrian Griffin. After 43 games. So uh, this was a shock to a lot of people. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I feel a lot of ways about this situation. I feel a lot of ways. So first things first. Um, Adrian Griffin was a first-year head coach, and his team's record is 30-13. and 13. The only similar situation that I remember about this is um, one of the Cavs championship years when they had David Blatt as a coach. And they had a phenomenal record, but it was just known throughout league circles that, hey, you can probably improve things better than they are now without David Blatt. And it, it, it's frustrating. I was reading The Athletic. Uh, shout out to all the writers at, at The Athletic this time. Um, the Bucks have performed well on offense this season, averaging 124.2 points per game and scoring on 120.5 points per possession, all right? They have been the league's second most effective and efficient offense behind the Indiana Pacers. And while being, you know, scoring is cool, a lot of Bucks' problems came on defense. Now, I'm going to say something. I understand scheming schematic is one thing, but I don't think they have a great defensive roster. You know, now their defense is bad. It shouldn't be as bad as it is. But, you know, some of that bad defense comes with Damian Lillard, you know. Um, what you get on offense, you're going to lose some on defense, and the dynamic of their team has completely changed. You know, when you had um, Drew Holiday, you had a special defensive player that could give you some special nights on offensively, right? He can create for others. He can create his own shot. He had a lot of versatility. But to me, the best thing Drew could give you was defense. And so I don't have a problem with going for a Damian Lillard, right? You go for a superstar. You paired him with Giannis. And again, I think it's working out, and I think they're going to get better, right? Also, Giannis had a triple-double yesterday. Damian Lillard has eight assists. It, to me, this was a Giannis thing, and I'm not throwing him under the bus, but I think Giannis had lost, you know, confidence in the coach. There was a couple times some substitutions. I don't know, man. I think it was a tough situation always around. I'm frustrated because anytime a minority head coach gets an opportunity, I think it's great because it's hard for minorities to get opportunities, you know, but – um. I feel like he's kind of the – I'm not going to say he's the fall guy, but I feel like all the blame is going to him and not going to other places, right? 
The front office of the Milwaukee Bucks did not put out a great defensive roster. This is a talented team, but I don't think they're great defensively. Now, I agree that they should be better defensively, but defense comes a lot with effort. Now, when there's not good schemes and there's no defensive cohesion and no defensive plan, okay. Like I said, um, Damian Lillard, Giannis, some of the team's top players have become frustrated with him. Um, so even defensively, um, you know, Griffin had a game plan that looked it wasn't great, man. They weren't really good at anything. You know, they would get cooked in pick and roll. I watch them all the time. They would give up a lot of threes. Um, they would help a lot, but I don't know. There was no – they have talented players. Giannis is a good defensive player when he when he's always locked in. You know, Brooke Lopez is a phenomenal defensive center that can really protect the paint. They have good, talented pieces. But, again, if the best player isn't happy, I think you got to make a move, right? Because the one thing the Bucks are under is the clock, right? They're on the clock, and they're in the championship window now. Again, I hate this move. I feel like – I personally feel like it's a little weaselly. Right when you have a first-year head coach, and I got, I got, I got to be honest and be fair to the GM and front office of the Bucks. They did give him Terry Scott, and as y'all remember, before the season, there was some issues between Terry Scott and Adrian Griffin, right? And Terry Scott had gotten into an altercation with Adrian Griffin. I talked about before. I think he was talking to Dame, and the coach called him, and he was like, oh, "Give me one second, and he kind of yelled at him, and some other stuff. And I, I thought that was tough because. A rookie head coach with those type of expectations kind of was given a coach. It's just tough, man. I, I just wish, like, it wouldn't happen this way. You know, I also wish that Adrian Griffin does get opportunities in the future because I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not defending him because their defense is bad. And, again, if the best players don't believe that things are changing or improving, a change does have to be made because there is a championship window. I just feel like he kind of is a little bit of a fall guy when you don't factor in that they don't have a good – they have some good defensive players, but they're not a good defensive team. And I'm not sure how much a different coach is going to change that. So there's reports from Adrian Wojnarowski that um, Doc Rivers is going to be the defensive coach. So, one, bringing a new coach in midseason is tough, right? So they're going to have to simplify things all the way. Doc Rivers is, is really good at some things. I don't think he's great at others. To me, the best thing that Doc Rivers is supposed to be good at is managing egos and players. I think he has he's well-respected, so I don't think there's going to be a ton of pushback where well, there might have been some pushback with Giannis um, little, about some of the things he did. You're going to respect the coach that got time in. Again, I don't think Doc – I think Doc is a coach that can make a team to be bad to good. But I don't think he can make a team good to great, and I don't think he makes adjustments when things have to get changed. But, again, he's going to have a new opportunity, and he has not officially been named the new um, head coach. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Um, I don't know. I just hate that this story had to come this way. So, I don't know. We'll see about that. All right? Cool. Now, we got a lot of things to get on to, so let's go on to the next topic. So, we got a lot to get to. So the second thing I got to talk about is Terry Rozier. So right when you thought that the Adrian Griffin news was come, here comes the sneaky behind Miami Heat doing a move that they just they just always find a way. They acquired Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, from the Charlotte Hornets for a 2027 first-round pick protected and Kyle Lowry. Yo, this is an absolute home run. Um, Terry Rozier is a really solid defensive player. He can score. He can pass. Um, he was fine for Charlotte. I ain't going to lie, man. 
they, they could have got more for him. They, that 2027 pick maybe could have been unprotected. I feel like you could have squeezed out him. He's a really, really good player. He is a starter. Um, he's not a negative on defense. He can play defense, right? He can shoot. He can pass. He can he can rebound for a guard, too. He's a small guard, but he can really rebound pretty good, man. He's he's good. He's averaging 23.2 points per game, 6.6 assists. It'll be a little interesting because he'll – I'm not sure that Tyler Hero wants to go back to the bench. Um you know, a hero, Rosier backcourt is interesting, um, but it definitely gives you more shooting. You know, it definitely gives you more ball handling, and it does lighten up the load on Jimmy Butler, who can kind of take a, I'm not saying take a back seat, but really position himself to go absolutely nuclear nuclear in the playoffs because they have a good team. Um, I absolutely love this deal. This deal is an A+. Let me get into some more stuff. So the Heat will save $15.4 million in luxury checks on the trade, and create a 6.4 um, trade exception. Um, real quick, under new ownership, Rick Chanel and Gabe Holton, the Hornets are planning to build around young players, LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller, and gather as many as assets as they can. So listen, I get it um, that, you know, he, he became available. I didn't know he was available. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not know that he was available. So... Yo, this is an amazing deal for the Heat. I don't think the Heat were ever really wanted DeJounte Murray. I think they inquired about it. But to me, the Heat were going to get a guy that could play defense too. And again, even though DeJounte Murray is probably a more popular name, I can argue that Terry Rozier is a better player than him. And I can argue it's, it's not that close. You know, I, I know that DeJounte Murray won a first-team all-defense, but that was before he tore his ACL. He was a different player in San Antonio. He doesn't defend like he used to. Um, he's not much of a defender anymore. He's still he's improved as an offensive player. He's improved as a shooter. But this is a phenomenal de- deal for the Heat, and um, they're going to surge, all right? They're going to absolutely surge. And that's a steal, man. This is what the Heat do best, man. They, they um, When everybody's sleeping and everybody's relaxing and you think, you know, you got a good thing going on, the Miami Heat come and do what they do best and make a move that nobody's – I didn't see it coming. I didn't hear any rumors about this. This is absolutely crazy. So, yeah, that's that on that. Now, y'all know I got to get to the main event. My boy, Timothy, Joel Hans and Bede set a 76ers franchise record scoring 70 of them things. A 70 burger on the San Antonio Spurs. All right. The Sixers win 123, excuse me, 133 to 123. Um, This game was really competitive. Um, it's funny because it was like a 14-point spread. This game was supposed to be an absolute blowout, but it wasn't by any means. Um, it was real competitive. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This game was kind of funny to me because I could not believe that Greg – I thought he was going to just double him and just like, you know, make other people pass. But the Sixers only shot 5 for 20 from the three-point line. But forget all that, man. My man Joel Embiid in 37 minutes was 24 of 41, one out of two from the three-point line, 18 rebounds, uh, five, excuse me, 18 rebounds, five assists, and 70 points in 30 minutes. But that's not all. He is 21 of 23 from the free throw line. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Non-offensive rebounds, uh, non-defensive rebounds. I know he had a steal and he had a block. So world-class game by Embiid. Um, one of the best games I've ever seen. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I know some people are going to say, well, they played the San Antonio Spurs. If you score a lot of points, you score a lot of points. I don't like point shame, right? One, you won the game. So everything you did work did help your team. 
I'm I'm a little surprised that they didn't like send hard doubles or do some more stuff. I just they let him cook and he just kept cooking. He just kept cooking and kept cooking and this kind of leads me to an interesting segue that Joel Embiid is probably he's not probably he's having the best season in his career. You know, every year Joel Embiid the last two years was the last three years, two out of the last three, he was second in MVP. Last year he finally get it and he's better this year. My man is averaging thirty six point one points a game. 11.6 rebounds and 5.9 assists, almost six assists for a player that couldn't pass. And the marriage between Embiid and Nick Nurse is phenomenal. Now, I need to talk about two things. One, I'm a little jaded. And I say that because I love my Sixers. I'm a huge Sixers fan. Basketball is my favorite sport. Obviously, as y'all know, that's why I'm doing the podcast. But... I haven't been emotionally invested in the Sixers because I don't think they have a championship roster. You know, it was kind of like, again, I do a cross-sports reference, the Eagles. You know, the Eagles were good, but I didn't think the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. So when they didn't win the Super Bowl, I'm not disappointed because I don't think we were good enough. Now, when you're good enough and you go all in, you go all in. I've been saying it all season. This Sixers team is not good enough to win a championship. I don't think it's that close. You know, I know they're playing well and they're winning games, but – the dynamic, and as the roster is currently structured, is not getting past the second round. And again, the number one thing for the Sixers is to have a Joel, a have a healthy Joel Embiid going towards the playoffs, right? That's above anything else. As Joel Embiid is healthy, you got a chance. But as far as the roster, I feel I still think a lot of things are missing. Outside of Joel Embiid, the Sixers are not a good round build, not a good rebounding team. They can get smoked on the glass. I think they need a power forward, small forward that can rebound. If Tobias Harris is here the rest of the season, that's fine. But I do think another another move to kind of help this team contend better is, is fine. And it also changed my opinion of the philosophy of the team. With James Harden here, to excuse me, um, somewhat towards Tobias Harris, but Maxie couldn't flourish the way he is now. Now, I give credit a lot to Harden. He was real big on Maxie being more aggressive. But more than that, the opportunity is the biggest thing. Right, and so with Maxi with a higher usage, honestly, I think Maxi can still be way better than he is now. Right, he can, he can, he's a phenomenal catch and shoot shooter, but he never has it because he has the ball in his hands, if not Embiid. Right, so another player that can dribble, play twenty five minutes a game, will really help him because I would love Maxi to spot up more. Um, but again, as far as the roster, it's on Daryl Morey now. Embiid is having the best season of his career of his career, and it's important. It is extremely important that Daryl Morey makes this season count. As the roster is currently constructed, the Sixers, to me, will not get out of the second round. Joel Embiid can have a phenomenal performance. I just think that the dynamic, excuse me, the dynamic of this team, it has a ceiling. And if a couple of moves can be made, you can legitimately go for a championship this year. The Celtics are good, but they can be beat. And obviously, Milwaukee can be beat. They just fired their coach because they still don't play defense in games into the season. The Sixers are a balanced team. Nicholas Batum, yo, listen, it's so funny because his stats never wow you. Even though he had a really good game. Five points, six assists, and eight rebounds. A phenomenal all-around game. But the box score is the worst thing about Nicholas Batum. It's the worst thing. He is one of the few Sixers. I talked about this all the time, and I can't explain it enough to make them – he can make entry passes to the post, all right? I don't think there's 10 players in the league outside of superstars. I'm talking about role players. It's not five that make better entry passes. Role players, not superstars. 
entry passes into the post. Embiid gets them of the easiest shots he ever got just because ball placement was so critical. And again, it's one thing to get great ball placement in the post from a star or mid post. It's another thing to get it from a role player. And I don't know if he is helping other people learn, but he can he can have a clinic on this. Um, Korkmaz can go. Korkmaz is obviously not a part of um, Nick Nurse's rotation, and that's fine. He can go. I love Kevin Martin Jr. I think he's a little raw. I believe he could be way more than what he gives, but it's tough on a team that is contending for a championship to give an inexperienced player. But I really love Kenyon Martin Jr., man. I think he's a stud. All right. I just need him to get more minutes, and hopefully Nick Nurse can trust him a little bit more. Paul, excuse me, Paul Reed has been solid. Um, I don't have a problem with him as far as being the backup center. He got in foul trouble, but he's been good. He's good, and I like the dynamic that he does as far as athletically about the difference he can give. But to me, a couple of things. One, a secondary ball handler. All right, if there was a Sixers priority list as far as the um, NBA trade deadline that's coming up, I think the biggest thing is a 3 and D wing that is a lights-out shooter. Again, I know those are hard to come by, but that's number one. And you need another guard, a backup guard, another guard that can dribble, pass, shoot. All right? I think you can improve the depth. When I go back to philosophy, and I said this point earlier, and I didn't finish it, James Harden and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey showed me that I just changed. I don't think they need three stars anymore. I think Maxey can 100% be the second best player on a championship team. But more importantly, I feel like the Sixers, instead of having stars, can just have phenomenal role players. I want to kind of do a cue to the Denver Nuggets. If I looked in the Denver Nuggets, they have two superstars. Jamal Murray is a superstar, in my humble opinion, and Nikolai Jokic. I do not think Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon are superstars, but they're very talented, high, highly-level players. They're both high lottery picks. Michael Porter Jr. should have been the number one pick if it wasn't for his knee, if it wasn't for his back. All right, and um, Aaron Gordon was a phenomenal um, talent coming out of um, college. But the way they're set up, they all complement each other. You know, the shooting puts Denver and gives them a ton of space. Then you have a three and D player like KCP, Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Right Then you have a shooter that plays off of Jokic. And B and Maxi's chemistry will improve and improve and improve. Right, But it's like, we need that KCP. We need that Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's a phenomenal rebounder and a defender, and he can hit open shots. Right Now, I'm going to give you a name. Don't laugh at me. I, don't, I know his number. He gets paid a lot of money, and he still gets hurt. But if he becomes available and is not a high asking pace, the number one target I would love the Sixers to get would be Jonathan Isaac. I think he is a stud defensively. Now, that contract is crazy. I don't think they're going to buy him out because I think they invested too much. And I think they'd rather just see it through than buy him out. But I think he's probably the best. I don't know if he's available, but he's the best role player that you can acquire that can just make your team levels different. Again, he's coming from major surgeries. So I also don't even think it's fair to depend on him for a ton. But I think he's a stud. Um, and we go to Brooklyn. The other problem is that I'm, I'm noticing, and I don't know if y'all peep game, is that teams that have good assets that other teams need have the craziest ceiling, right? Here's an example. Dorian Finney-Smith is another guy who should be available on a Brooklyn Nets team that isn't contending, right? I don't think – I think they had higher expectations of the season. I think they're going to move past Ben Simmons in the offseason – I don't think Mikel Bridges, as much as I love him, is can be a best. He cannot be, to me, he is not going to be the best player on a championship team. He's either second or third. I think he's third. 
He is literally the perfect player for the Sixers to get. They're not getting him. All right? But the funny thing is, right on this Nets roster, Dorian Finney-Smith will be a phenomenal. Royce, um, Royce O'Neal, phenomenal guys. Right? Cam Johnson, phenomenal. But I don't think those guys have become available. If you look at Dorian Finney-Smith, they said they wanted two first-round picks for him. You know, they barely play him, but you want two first-round picks for him. That's crazy. Um, and the thing is, he's going to be in demand, and some team might be stupid enough to give it to him. So... It's it's tough, man. It's really tough. Um, but I'm officially emotionally invested in my Sixers, right? I've been very – I know they're not going to win a championship, but if Daryl Morey can make a move, whatever said move is, I really believe we can make a run for the title this year, man. As we saw the last week when Embiid played Jokic, gave him the business, right? It is Embiid's world. And it's kind of funny. This is going to lead me to another segue. 65 games. I was the I am the number one advocate of players playing. I hate the fact that the regular season gets diminished. Reference point. Joel Embiid scoring 70 points in a regular season game should not be like um it, it shouldn't just be taken for granted, right? The dumbest the dumbest thing I always hear people say online and and, and basketball conversations was the regular season doesn't matter. You, my friend, are a liar and I'm going to explain to you why. When an NBA player gets inducted into a Hall of Fame, they talk about your numbers in totality. Nobody just brings off playoff numbers. Obviously, players of superstar caliber talent are greeted by championships, right? And how how good you played in the biggest moments, right? A championship doesn't define you, but how you play in a playoff does define your level of greatness. With that being said, your greatness also is defined by your consistency. The fact that teams can always your team can always depend on you night after night after night to show up. You might have two or three bad games the whole year, but most more times than not, you're coming through and you're delivering. That's what makes a superstar. And again, there's a star and superstars in the league. I won't do it today, but I will break down who I believe is a star and a superstar, right? Because I think the lines get very blurred. I don't think there are are not 15 superstars in this league. There's about seven or eight. But there's a ton of stars and young guys that that will become superstars but I don't think they're at, at right now. So, again, back to the Sixers, 3 and D, um, ball handling, and rebounding. They need somebody to help them on a the rebounding. I like their team. This is a very good team with great chemistry, but this team has a ceiling. They're not, as currently constructed, going to win. I also understand the motion that, you know, you don't want to trade Tobias Harris because all that cap space, even though you're going to have to pay Maxi, but you're still going to get off some cap space. Obviously, Daryl Morey is a really smart guy. But I, I would like Daryl Morey and Nick Nurse to kind of bring the team. Because to me, the next three years of Joel Embiid's career is they're going to be the peak of his powers physically. He'll always improve his game. He'll add stuff. But physically and skill, I think this is the, the peak. I think he's peaking. He's getting greater and greater. So it's important. Again, I don't think they're going to win a championship this year. But in the next two years, including this year, if a move is made, that they get the roster. And it's so important. And, and it's my last reference point. Well, not a reference point on my, on my talking point. Daryl Morey got a contract extension that I'm a little confused by, right? So Daryl Morey claimed the fame as James Harden. He acquired James Harden, got a crazy deal for him. He kind of finessed OKC. James Harden becomes an absolute superstar. He wins an MVP. Houston becomes a contender. And, you know, Daryl Morey's claim to fame is the James Harden trade, right? And that bridge that was built got burned. Now, I do not know what was said or what wasn't said, but that bridge got burned. 
also Ben Simmons. That was in the Daryl Morey too. So even though I, 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 I give him props for not letting the team break and standing on business when guys demand the trades and not giving them up for trash, I, 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 I agree with that because, again, the Ben Simmons situation to me was worse than the um, James Harden. James Harden wasn't um, – he didn't get toxic. Right, he he remained, and I want to make sure I say this. He remained professional. Like it got kind of weird when he kind of came to a team uh, flight, and he was like, "No, you can go back home." Like I don't think they ever want him to play for the team. Right? They was like, "Yo, we're good. We're not going through this." But um, I get pardoned for not just being like blowing up the team uh, versus Ben Simmons when Doc asks him to do a drill. He just stands there, right? And I don't think mental health was it. I think he determined that he wasn't playing another game for the team. And he just said mental health. What? I'm not saying he didn't have mental health issues, but I just think they kind of got over, right? And, again, there was a settlement on that. It was an undisclosed settlement, so I don't know what was or what wasn't, but Daryl Morey also had two superstar players leave. Now, he did manage both situations well, and that's cool, but I don't know. The extension was a little weird to me. I think it was kind of like celebrating something before it got done. The celebration comes when you make the roster, the Sixer roster from top to bottom. Again, I don't want the superstar. Maxi is our number two. Go find a really solid number three. I don't know who it is. Maybe Jeremy Grant. You're not getting Mikael Bridges. That would be a dream scenario, even though you could have you did draft Mikael Bridges and traded him. All right, but we'll see. We'll see with the Sixers. Um, in Bizarro Land, on the other side of the world, Carl Anthony Towns got busy too. So the NBA was funny last night. A lot of guys and a lot of teams went off. Um, but it'd been bizarrely, and the Hornets beat the Minnesota um, Timberwolves 128-125. So Carl Anthony Towns has 62 points and 44 points in the first half. But they lost the game, and Chris Finch threw the team. I don't think he threw him under the bus, but he put everything on front street. Um, I'm going to post. I can't play the recording because I'm not getting lit up. But um, – I'm going to post his post-game presser where he just went in in my story on my podcast page, all right? Um, yeah, but he just went in. Uh, they blew an 18-point lead and lost a game. They scored 18 points in the fourth quarter and gave up 36. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm going to put more things on the team, and um, I'm going to give Anthony Edwards some props for his transparency, saying that they, just was look, they was kind of just letting Towns go off, and they kind of – Fell into some bad habits, and I don't know, man. It's it's a weird. It's gonna be an interesting turning point, right? Because um, originally Carl Anthony Towns was supposed to be the championship player. I don't. I think they have a decent. I think they have an okay that that working dynamic. But I don't know if they. It doesn't matter if people like each other. It, it does, but it doesn't. But I think they're okay. But I do think at some point Carl Anthony Towns are gonna get treated. I don't know what for. And I know that the GM do believe that the, the twin towers he's got with Gobert and Towns and the ability to adjust and the uh, roster flexibility is, is phenomenal. But I don't know if that is um, a long-term thing with Carl Anthony Towns on the Timberwolves. I, we'll see about that. I don't think Chris Finch – I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking, but I'm going to play the post-game conference. He was not happy about how the fourth quarter happened, you know, bad shots taken. But it was a special game, again. I gotta give I gave him credit. I gotta give Towns credit. Sixty-two points, forty-four in the first half is ridiculous, right? So in forty minutes, finishes with sixty-two. Ten out of fifteen from ten out of fifteen from the three-point line is insane, and twenty-one of thirty-five. Uh, Carlton Towns, excuse me, 
Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards had 11 assists and 9 points. That can't happen. He has to be – he can never have 9 points in the game and expect him to win. He has to be more aggressive in the fourth quarter. I didn't like Ant's fourth quarter. And I thought they fell into some bad habits. And Minnesota should never lose to a team like Charlotte. You shouldn't. Um, I won't panic, but this will be a little interesting. I, I want to see how they respond to this the next game. All right? Um, I want to talk about one, two more games, and I'm, I'll get y'all out of here. Um, the Hawks got to make a decision, too. I think they're going to blow it up. It'll be interesting because... I think Atlanta loves Trey Young, and I think the Hawks still want to build around Trey Young, but the, the Murray and Trey Young thing is not working. And it's not working because they can both play, but they don't complement each other's things. To me, 3 and D players, um, they, which they have a ton of, the, the team should be better to me. I just think that the Atlanta Hawks should be better. They don't play a ton, they don't play any defense, right? They're a good offensive team, 18 and 25. I, I, I'm a little disappointed. Um, they're getting close to where they might blow this thing up. So we'll see what happens with the Hawks. They lose last night, 107 and 122, fall shorts to the Sacramento Kings, who moved to 24 and 18 on the season, right? DeJounte Murray finished with 35 points, but Harrison Barnes has 32. And that's crazy because if you know the type of player that Harrison Barnes is, performances like these are probably having three times in the season. But it's absolute madness that he went off last night. It was a weird game. Um, they kind of was just blowing them out, and they kind of made a late run late. But um, I don't know, man. Hawks got to hit the explode button. I, I think I was kind of hesitant thinking they could retool. But they got some talent, but they got to kind of figure out what they want to do as a franchise and how they want to build their team. I'm a big fan of their coach. I'm a big fan of this roster. There's a ton of talent on the roster. But there's got to be some better direction, man. I'm, I'm not really feeling the Hawks. I thought they were going to be better. That one's on me. All right, um, two more things, and I'll get y'all out of here. I was extremely impressed last night with the Celtics' 119-110 win over the Mavericks. I thought the Mavericks were going to win at home. Um, Dallas is sneaky, right, because in the playoffs, it's obviously about superstar performances, you know, role players having vital roles. But I really think Dallas is like a role player away, maybe a backup center or another wing player that they trust from going off. Like, to me... Before Pascal Siakam got traded to the Indiana Pacers, I really wanted the, uh, the um, excuse me, the Mavericks to get him. Now, three first-round picks is crazy, right? And um, three first-round picks for a rental, you have to have some type of confidence or belief, to me it's twofolded, that you're going to re-sign this guy, right? Obviously, he wants the bag. He wants the big payday, and they can give it to him, right? But... That's a lot for a guy that could just bolt. And I don't know if he wants to live in Indiana, but I do know if he wants to bag. And it's a good fit. You know, it's just the most talented player. De'Aaron Fox was there, but it's a phenomenal player. Again, I'm a big Siakam fan. I like him to rebound a little bit more, but I think that's going to be a really good team. But back to the Boston, um, excuse me, Boston and Dallas. This was a really good game for the Celtics. After having a really disappointing game versus – not disappointing. I just thought the Denver game, I saw things I didn't like. Obviously, at the end of the shot clock, Jason Tatum taking terrible shots. Um, Joe Mazzulla with some questionable coaching decisions. I love this game. I love when they play a premier team. They just kind of, like, reestablish that they are special, right? Again, my biggest knock on the Celtics is sometimes they just – I'm not going to say they shoot too many threes because you should shoot a lot of threes. 
But I feel like, again, certain matchups and certain players, they got to be more aggressive. So, again, a reference point, my last one. When they played Denver, Tatum and Brown set off for too many jump shots. I thought they should have been attacking the rim, going downhill, attacking um, defenses, and just putting rim pressure on. And I feel like they can improve with putting pressure on the rim. They can shoot. Holiday goes off last night with five threes, um, six out of 13 from the field in 38 minutes. Jalen Brown has a phenomenal performance, 34 points, four rebounds, three assists. Tatum. Tatum had a Tatum game. After an underwhelming game uh, last Friday, 39 points, five assists, and 11 rebounds. And this was kind of a um, a statement game. To me, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The Nuggets have kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to say sleepwalking, and this is my last point, and I'll get you all out of here on this. The Nuggets haven't been sleepwalking, but they've kind of been, I don't expect them to look as special as they did last year. Obviously, they have higher expectations, and, you know, they don't look as special as they did last year, but that's okay. I feel like they're kind of grinding through the season. But to me, the best team this season has been the Celtics. The most dangerous team to me is the Minnesota Timberwolves. The sneakiest team is the Dallas Mavericks, right? And, and, I, and I'll break down them all real quick, and I'll get you all out of here. Minnesota can play any style team, and out of Denver, they give Denver the most problems, right? Before Anthony Edwards got hurt, they were giving Denver some really trouble. I think they can match up against any team in the West, right? The only thing is they don't have a ton of playoff experiences, so I think it's hard for them to go from, you know, this where they are to start the um, playoffs all the way to the finals. I don't know if that happens, but they are, to me, the most dangerous team that can really make some noise with an emerging superstar in Anthony Edwards. Um, I'm not a believer in the Suns. I think they need depth. They don't play any defense. Bradley Beal, Den- um, Denver, uh, excuse me, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant are good, right? But the dynamics around them aren't. They don't have enough 3 and D players. Outside of Nurkic, they don't really rebound. Um, they give up leads. They fall into bad habits. They have too many turnovers. I think they do need a point guard to kind of help with, like, uh, you know, with this order. And even though I think I love Devin Booker facilitating, I, I'm not I'm not buying the Suns. I think they can get hot and they can beat anybody in any game. And you'll have special performances like when Kevin Durant went off last night. But I don't, I don't know. I, I need to see. I, I'm They'll get better and they'll improve, but I'm not big on the Suns this season. So, again, the most dangerous team in the league, the best team in the league is the Boston Celtics. The most dangerous team in the league that people – may or may not be sleeping on, is the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? There are other teams that can do things. OKC will be a tough out for anybody with how hard they play. But, yeah, that's pretty much it, all right? Whew, hope I didn't talk your ear off. I had a lot to say, but I'm glad I got that all out. Um, today is Tuesday. I won't pod tomorrow. The next pod will be Friday, all right? So, again, like, share, and subscribe. Going back to three days a week, all-star break. We got a ton of content to get into. I appreciate all the support. Love y'all. Y'all take care. Peace.